0: chapter 25 of the browns at mount hermon by pansy this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter 25 exit one of the browns you don't mean she said at last you can't mean of course he came to her aid that i am john brown carpenter i do i mean just that i assure you it was a surprise to myself and distinctly it had to do with the browns not the carpenters you know our friend jonas brown the discoverer of our dear boy browning he was the first man i met at mount herman and he read the name on my bag with punctuation and comments all his own john brown carpenter eh well now that's a new idea and a sensible one folks needn't lose any time in finding out who you are and what you want to do if you had come along say six or eight weeks ago you needn't have lost an hour in getting to work lots of houses being built or wanting to be built and carpenters as scarce as hen's teeth but now they've shut down on all building until after the assembly is over They want the folks to go to the meetings, you know, and besides it makes a noise and disturbs things. Everything in this place gives way to meetings, but if you wait till they close up, you won't find a better place for work from Maine to California. All this poured out upon me in the dear Jonas's inimitable style, and before I could take a breath and explain, up came Dr. Hart and Mr. Warren, and I was duly introduced as Mr. Brown, a carpenter. From that time on, Brother Brown may be said to have adopted me. He took a sort of fancy to me and was pleased with the idea that we had the same name, He enlarged upon it at a time when to explain would have been impossible and derived so much pleasure from it That I felt as though I shouldn't have had the heart to undeceive him just then even had there been opportunity So now you have my confession there are minor details But the main point is that I stayed John Brown Instead of being the person I was designed for when they added my mother's maiden name to the John and made me John Brown Carpenter The deception was in no wise planned it simply grew at first of course I expected to explain and then I became interested I found that I had reached a spot where John Brown, a carpenter with no introductions and no credentials, was welcomed as cordially to all the unique privileges of the place, and treated as well in every respect as though he had come with a flourish of trumpets. I liked the atmosphere exceedingly, and I liked Jonas Brown and felt that I would have been glad to claim him as my father, and as there was a sense in which it might be said that I had run away, it amused me to discover that by no planning of mine I had lost my name as well as my proper location. I'm afraid my story sounds very lame, as I tell it to you I find that I am ashamed of having given up my birthright so carelessly. But you must remember that I had no idea of remaining here as long as I have. A couple of weeks at the utmost I expected to make my limit, and I could not seem to make it worthwhile to stop busy people who had no reason for being especially interested in me, and waste time and words in explaining that a dear old man had made a blunder. What did the mere accident of the name by which they called me matter after all? That was the way I reasoned, after I had let the thing slip, until really explanations would have been rather formidable. This is not as interesting as a six-roomed cottage, Mary, but it is a surprise, and I am afraid one that you do not like. Do you begin to feel that you can never trust me again, since I had not even a name of my own? But Mary Brown was busy with one sentence that had startled her, as there was a sense in which it might be said that I had run away. What did he mean? Could it be that they had both run away? It was what she asked as soon as she found voice did you say that you had run away?' "'Well, not exactly that,' he said, and laughed. I simply did not run home as was expected of me. I was due at my uncle's in the East nearly three months ago, and allowed myself to be sidetracked for what seems to me now to be the most absurd reason in the world. My uncle's house, I must explain to you, is home. How very little we know about each other's life, Mary. Doesn't it seem strange? But there has been no time for general conversation. We shall enjoy leisure enough to make each other's acquaintance, shall we not?' You will like my aunt. Indeed, you will like all of them. They are a charming family. My blessed auntie has mothered me ever since I was a lonesome boy of twelve. There couldn't be a better substitute for a mother than my aunt Margaret, and the girls are as good sisters as a man need have. Are these the reasons why you ran away from them, or was it from them you ran? I ran from Alice, he said, laughing. She is the youngest and is at the teasing age. She lives and moves and has her being for the sake of helping me to select a wife." The truth is the girls have all bored me more or less on the subject of matrimony, and as it happens to be a subject about which I never until this summer got up any personal interest, you may judge what a nuisance it was. They were forever selecting just the right person for me, you see, and pressing her upon my attention, sometimes in a really embarrassing manner. This time Alice was insufferable even on paper. Her letters simply gushed over a certain new neighbor of theirs. By the way, I am going back to a home that is quite strange to me. I do not even know that part of the city very well. It is some distance from the— from my work. Certain valuable property over there, which is by right always belonged to my uncle, came into his hands somewhat unexpectedly after I went abroad, and the family decided to move there." Mary Brown interrupted him, with a curious, eager, half-breathless note in her voice. "'Have you been abroad?' He stopped to laugh again. "'Why, yes,' he said, several times. I reminded you that we did not know each other's past very well. Remember that six-roomed cottage and the blue teacups which you have just sprung upon me? Yes, I have been abroad for a year.' and my cousin Alice, well, in fact, the entire family, fell in love with their next-door neighbor, almost immediately after their removal to the new neighborhood. Their letters fairly throbbed with detailed accounts of her. After I met you, and began to know you well, and have ideas and hopes connected with you, which latter, it seems to me, I have entertained ever since the station agent suggested them, it amused me very much to remember that the lady's name was also Brown. You will have to add her to that house-party. Are you growing chilly, dear? The wind is drawing in here quite freshly, and I thought I saw you shiver." He leaned over and drew her light wrap more closely about her shoulders, she speaking not a word, and continued his story. Alice selected her at once for my seventh wife I believe it was the seventh she had chosen and been sure was foreordained to fill that place, and they bored me so with their plans for the summer, all of which included the fair unknown, that I suddenly changed all my plans of travel, came back by an entirely different route, and instead of going home direct came instead as far west as I could get. I had intended to make this trip sometime, and I put it in this summer to get rid of embarrassments. The stopping here, instead of going to Southern California, was what we call an accident, the sort of accident for which I shall thank God for all eternity. Don't you think there will probably be many such that we don't understand now? Why I stayed on here in this surprising way until I am almost due at college, I shall leave you to explain, since you were responsible for it. She did not make the sort of reply that he had anticipated. "'Are you going to college?' was all she said, still in that breathless tone. He burst into hearty laughter, and for a moment seemed unable to control it. "'Upon my word,' he said at last, "'what a bungler I am! I constantly forget that I began in the middle of my story. Why, yes, to tell you the truth, I work in a medical college.' "'But I thought you were a builder.' "'So I am, in a sense, only instead of building houses I build up young men. I'm a member of the faculty, dear. Don't despise me because I seem to have deceived you. In all honor I meant nothing of the kind, as I said, and I should have told you all this long ago.' if I had not been afraid—well, I shall not tell you what I was afraid of, because it puts too low an estimate on your good sense. When I came to know you better, I ceased to believe that you would indulge in any petty pride about it—about any of it. As I said, it was the merest accident, so called, the being misdirected as to which train to take, that brought me this way in the first place. I stopped at this particular point because I had heard of the Assembly, and the efforts they were making toward uplifting the summer vacations, and I wanted to investigate. Mary, think what I have found." not only the most restful and helpful summer of my life, but I have found my wife, God bless her." No one was near, and even the moon just then slipped kindly behind a friendly passing cloud. But his companion's first remark amazed him. Do your cousins, Alice and Nettie and the boys and all the rest of them, live at Fourteen Euston Square? He drew away from her to look full in her face, and the moon came out to help him. That is my uncle's number, he said, but how in the world? I haven't mentioned Euston Square, nor Nettie, nor the boys. No, but they are all there. Oh, I know all about it because... Oh, John, we both ran away, and we ran from each other. From each other? Yes, we did. I ran from number 16, Euston Square, because Alice Harper's cousin, Dr. Carpenter, was coming home, and I knew he would spoil all our nice summer plans and be in the way and make everything dreadful. So I gave up the outing I was to have with that dear family, and I went away in haste, all for your sake. I went first to Circleville to see my dear little six-roomed cottage, and then I came away out here to take the other Mary Brown's place, but the real reason was to get away from you." "'But, my darling, who are you? This is astounding!' She laughed and laughed. They both laughed until the other Miss Brown over in the tent said, "'What are those idiots laughing about, do you suppose? I've a mind to go over and tell them it is bedtime.' "'Better not,' said the other sagely. "'They don't care what time it is, so they can meet together.' Suddenly Mary Brown drew herself up and spoke with mock dignity Who am I? I am Mary Thornton Brown of number 16 Euston Square and the Harpers are my next-door neighbors and good friends Oh, you needn't think I have been posing under a false name all summer It would be more in keeping I think for me to ask who are you? I am Mary Brown as I said all the time and no one else. I never thought of such a thing as changing my name whereat he laughed immoderately this is amazing he repeated when he could speak especially that last about never having thought of changing your name while i have thought of little else for weeks then they laughed together i shall compel you to think of it he said bending over her it is quite time for i mean that you shall change your name provided i have any influence with you before this remarkable year closes yes ma'am said the stalwart man as he set the grip and the handbag down in the tiny hall of the six-room cottage i'm the same identical john jackson that was here last june and i knew you the minute you stepped your foot off the cars but you look a sight better than you did then the air out where you have been must have agreed with you mary brown laughed a cheerful good-fellowship kind of laugh as she said yes it did i don't feel like the same person who was here in june now mr jackson i want a little more help i wonder if you are not the very man to give it to me john jackson straightened his tall form threw back his broad shoulders and looked every inch a man as he told her that he didn't know about that But if it was the kind of help that he knew how to give she might be dead sure of getting it and he'd do his level best at anything she wanted him to try his hand at mary brown had slight conception of how those words mr jackson sounded to this big man who was john or johnny to every youngster within five miles of the little village i want a young woman who is entirely reliable in every way and who would be a pleasant companion for me to come here and stay with me for perhaps a month and help in anything i may have to do housework you know and some sewing perhaps but chiefly work about the house i am expecting a little company in a couple of weeks and there are some things i want done to get ready for them john jackson's expressive face was one broad beam of satisfaction as he fell headlong into the neat little trap she had laid well ma'am i reckon if you had had in all the wise men from the whole county and the city too for that matter you couldn't have hit one who could help you out on that line as well as i can myself i know exactly the young woman for you She's as true as the sun, every time and always, and she knows how to do most any kind of work around a house or garden, and she has the name of being the handiest girl with her needle that there is in these parts, and as for being pleasant company, well—' John stopped abruptly and mopped his flushed face with a red-bordered handkerchief and laughed, but he added bravely, "'You can't find any better company in this world, according to my way of thinking, than she is.' Miss Brown laughed, too, in sympathy. "'Then if I can persuade her to come, I shall be fortunate indeed,' she said. "'What is her name, and where shall I find her?' Do you think she will be able to come? I should need her at once. Of course I expect to pay my help. I shall offer twenty-five dollars for the month to one who suits me." John Jackson was a gentleman at heart. He did not know that it was ungentlemanly to whistle in the presence of a lady, and he gave a short, sharp whistle over this amazing suggestion. Then the true gentleman came to the surface, and he spoke earnestly, "'Why, ma'am, she won't want no such wages as that, and it wouldn't be right to leave you thinking so. a week is the highest anybody ever got in these parts for steady work, and she can get the highest there is going. "'We can arrange all this afterwards,' said Miss Brown, and her smile was a pleased one. "'Do you think she will come?' "'She will jump at it, ma'am. "'There's reasons why she would like first-rate to be in town for a few evenings this fall. "'She lives out, you see, about two miles, and—' "'But maybe you wouldn't be willing to give her any evenings out.' "'The tell-tale color was flowing all over John's honest face. "'Every evening,' said Miss Brown recklessly, i mean i shall have no work to speak of for her to do in the evenings and she can spend them as she chooses the anxious look passed and john's face glowed with joy as he hastened to explain oh she wouldn't expect anything but an evening now and then she's been away all summer ten miles out and has worked hard evenings and all other times but the folks she was with was called back to the city unexpected day before yesterday so now she's at home as good luck would have it why ma'am you know where she lives you went out there to see her mother when you was here before it was to see about a letter don't you remember Yes, said Miss Brown, her eyes shining. I remember. Is that the girl? Why, her name was Brown too, wasn't it? Yes, ma'am, it is. Mary Jane Brown. Queer, ain't it? And it's a streak of luck and no mistake for her to be home just now. She'll be glad to come. Why, ma'am, I could bring her out this evening to see you if you'd like. I've got occasion to drive out that way after supper, and she could ride back as well as not. Chapter Twenty Five.